Welcome to the 29th episode of Cutting Edge. I'm Landon Sturdivant, and for those of you who have been tuning in day in and day out, your support means so much, and hopefully these episodes continue to be engaging, enjoyable, and valuable to you. Any feedback, insights, commentary, or suggestions for future episodes that you may have are greatly appreciated. In the past couple of weeks, everyone heard the storybook journey of the Peacocks of St. Peter's University, a ragtag 15 seed in the March Madness Tournament from Jersey City who shocked the nation by taking down John Calipari's famed and consistently dominant Kentucky Wildcats in the first round, a team who many bracket makers had going deep into the tournament. If this wasn't crazy enough, they went on to eliminate Murray State in the round of 32 and then Purdue in the Sweet 16, making them the lowest seed in tournament history to make the Elite Eight where their Cinderella story was put to a stop by UNC. You've also probably heard a lot of the crazy stats and facts that showed just how much of a David that SPU was up against the Goliaths of college hoops. Like how Calipari's entire salary of $8 million was more than the entire athletic department at St. Peter's. Like how St. Peter's had zero ranked players coming out of high school, and they were up against three five-star, five four-star, and two three-star recruits. Like how Kentucky's basketball budget is $18.3 million compared to St. Peter's 1.6. Yeah, it was no secret how outmatched the Peacocks were when they stepped into Gainbridge Fieldhouse on March 17th, especially being only the third 15 seed in NCAA history to make it past the first round. However, to win two more games against worthy opponents while going farther than any team seated at 15 or below proves that this wasn't some fluke or accident. The Peacocks showed that they could hold their own against anyone, and that college sports fans were going to need to start putting respect on their name. So, with that in mind, how surprising was the rapid rise of St. Peter's, and what were the key ingredients behind their winning formula? Well, for starters, great teams can't be formed without great coaching, and Shaheen Holloway is just that, and demonstrated that at the highest stage. Much of what makes Holloway so great is that he was once an incredible player himself. He, along with future NBA star Mike Bibby, was one of the top point guards of his high school class and was MVP in the McDonald's All-America game in 1996. Despite high-profile offers from Duke and Cal, among others, Holloway stayed in his home state of New Jersey and committed to Seton Hall. In four years there, he became the all-time assist leader, a program record that still stands to this day. Though he was invited to play for the Knicks and the Wizards NBA Summer League rosters, he didn't make an official NBA roster, But he did have an illustrious career overseas, playing in countries like the UK, Turkey, and Israel, as well as on teams in lower American leagues such as the now-defunct USBL and ABA. While not all high-level players automatically make high-level coaches, in Holloway's case, he knows what it takes to dominate on the court and knows how to see it in and bring it out of others. With this in mind, it's been reported that his recruiting process is a bit more unorthodox than your typical elite Power 5 school. Specifically in reference to Doug Eddert, his sharpshooter off the bench who gained celebrity scale hype for his tournament presence and outlandish mustache, Holloway states that he saw something special when watching Eddert play that didn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. While his prominence beyond the arc was still a big part of his game even at Bergen Catholic, what Holloway found penultimately impressive was his swagger, confidence, and hustle. He could miss multiple shots in a row and still pull up like he was 0 for 0. He had the energy and tenacity that made him a leader on the court. He was not afraid to guard the opponent's best player. It was those characteristics that Holloway wanted to build his program around, especially since St. Peter's was not a very successful program when he first arrived in 2018. You could see those things reflected in the Peacocks' tournament dance. 
despite facing and slaying giant after giant, going up against overwhelming odds just to face even more overwhelming odds, Holloway was beyond confident in his group of guys. I've got guys from New Jersey and New York City, his quota was saying in a press conference prior to the Purdue game. You think we're scared of anything? You think we're worried about guys trying to muscle us and tough us out? We do that. And yes, indeed, St. Peter's does do that. They play a hard-nosed, physical, and hustle-centric game, like they're playing at the park down the street with the cement court and rusting backboards. With the monopolization of NCAA hoops, where all the blue teams with big budgets have all the talent, all the money, all the coaching, and all the resources, those fundamental aspects of the game are often lost, and that's why you can never be too sure that a high-seeded team will dance all the way, regardless of how the odds may have it. In a similar line, defensive efficiency is what wins games. Though my bracket was absolutely trash this year, and I went from first to worst in the group with my friends, I had a top-tier bracket through the first round, because, you know, it's it's not about how you finish, it's how you start, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but it was like 97th percentile or something, and it was predicated mostly on defensive efficiency stats. Uh, this is why St. Peter's taking Kentucky to the wire wasn't completely out of nowhere to many deep-digging tournament analysts. Despite that their stats at that time didn't stand out, especially in comparison to who they were up against, the average was likely heavily influenced by the way they started out the season, as they were once 12-11 and 11 with six losses in their conference. However, looking at how they played after the first 23 games, it should have been clear that they weren't a team to be taken lightly, and a team that probably would have been seated a lot higher had it not been for that rocky start. Not to mention, following the first three rounds of March Madness, efficiency stats from the tournament show that they'd put up a better three games than both Duke and Arkansas, and only three spots behind Kansas, the number one seed and eventual national champs. The way that St. Peter's challenged shots was a big piece of that defensive prowess, which ranked 12th out of that 68-team field according to those same stats previously mentioned. They held teams to just 38% on two-point attempts, which was second nationally, and 27% from three over the 10 games prior to the Elite Eight. If you can't score, you can't win. St. Peter's knows this and have the clamps down to a science. In addition, just a personal observation of mine was that they pressed a lot more than other teams, which sort of ties back into their hustle and high school-esque style of play, and I mean that in the best way possible. A lot of teams didn't know how to respond to this, or at least were underprepared for it. On the flip side of the you-can't-score-you-can't-win thing is the fact that you actually have to be able to put up points too, which isn't exactly a strength of the Peacocks, statistically speaking. Their adjusted offensive efficiency this season was 223rd in the NCAA. You heard that right. However, come tournament time, their offensive sets blew the doors off of many basketball analysts, coaches, and critics. They specialize with a lot of ball movement and screening along the perimeter, which often feature rolls to the post. The fast pace and trickery confuses teams, and though Kentucky and Murray State both came well prepared, the coolness of guards like Matthew Lee and the ability to read the defense and respond accordingly made them hard to stop nevertheless. It's clear to see that St. Peter's was an incredible team, even beyond what the numbers showed, and that many wrote them off simply because they were an unheard-of team from the Metro Atlantic Conference. But are they going to be the same force to be reckoned with next season? Well, with Shaheen Holloway going back to his roots and accepting a head coaching job at Seton Hall next season, and three of their top contributors in Doug Eddard, Matthew Lee, and Daryl Banks III all entering the transfer portal, their dominance this season may be hard to replicate. However, their impact won't soon be forgotten for both the school and for college hoops as a whole. Their Cinderella run will likely generate millions for the university, as well as an upper hand in recruitment and in general enrollment. The Peacocks demonstrated that madness really does ensue in March, 
And if you can take something away from this team, it's that hustle and confidence will always pay off and will give you the advantage against all the talent, money, or resources in the world. If you want to follow this podcast, it's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music at the time being. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave a review as that feedback helps both me and the podcast grow. It's also on Instagram at CuttingEdgeIG. That's at C-U-T-T-I-N-G-E-D-G-E-I-G. If you want to follow me personally, I'm at Landon underscore Sturdivant on Instagram. That's at L-A-N-D-O-N underscore S-T-U-R-D-E-V-A-N-T. And my Snapchat is LT Sturdivant 21. That's at L-T-S-T-U-R-D-E-V-A-N-T 21. And my email is ltsturdevant at yahoo.com. That's L-T-S-T-U-R-D-E-V-A-N-T at yahoo.com. Once again, guys, thank you all for listening, and I'll see you on the next one.